Welcome to Found in Space, a science podcast for kids and teens. Why iron? So our question today comes from a brilliant future scientist, Adrian, who says that he understands that when a star reaches iron, that's the end of the line for fusion. So why iron? And this is an absolutely fantastic question. And it's going to let us dig into some of the different aspects of stars of stellar evolution and fusion. So let's start with just a quick overview, just a reminder of what's the basic life cycle of a star. So stars we think start from nebulae, big clouds of gas and dust, and gravity collapses that in on itself, pulling all that material together into this big ball shape. And when we say big, we mean big, ginormous, huge, gigantic. There's just not words in the English language to talk about how big and huge these things are. And so that creates a lot of heat and pressure at the core because it's got all of the material smashing down from up above. And that heat, that's really, really important. We're going to come back to that when we talk about fusion. But that causes fusion to happen at the core. And that's basically just atoms smashing into each other to make bigger, heavier atoms, to make new kinds of atoms. Now, really massive stars that, have, that are made of a lot more stuff than our sun will keep fusing heavier and heavier and heavier elements all the way until they get to iron. Now, once they start to fuse iron, then the star collapses in on itself. It goes supernova, blasts the material out into space, which becomes the nebula for the next star to form. That's why we talk about the life cycle of a star. Now, low mass stars like the sun, they never quite get hot enough at the core because they just don't have enough mass to ever go supernova. So they won't make elements much heavier than about carbon, really. So let's talk about atoms. So atoms, these are what make up all the stuff around us. You've probably heard of elements, right? So if you look at your hand, your hand is made from a combination of oxygen and carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, a few other ones, but those are the big ones, right? Now, an atom is the smallest piece possible of an element. I like to think of them like the Lego blocks that we build everything with. And when we eat food, we're bringing atoms into our body of different kinds of elements. And then our body uses those and rearranges them and turns them into skin and bone and muscle and blood and all of the things that we do with our food, right? And all those atoms, those were the heavier ones, at least, were formed in stars or some sort of stellar process. Now, inside the atom, we think that there's what we call the nucleus, or this is the center, the seed of the atom. And there are two different kinds of particles, protons and neutrons. Now, protons, they have a positive charge, a positive electromagnetic charge. So just like very similar to if you've ever played with 
magnets before. They're different charges on your magnet. You've got your positive and your negative. So protons have a positive charge. Now neutrons, they're neutral. They have no charge, nada, right? And they are next to the positive charged ones. In lighter elements, there's often a matching number of protons to neutrons. But what really, really matters for telling us what kind of element the atom is, is how many protons does it have? If it has one proton, it's a hydrogen. If it has two, it's a helium, three, lithium, and so on. And we can look at the whole periodic table of elements. If you have one to take a look at, you'll notice that there are numbers. It's numbered one through 118. Those are the known elements that we know of. If the number of protons changes, then the type of element it is changes as well. So what stars are doing is they're taking the lighter, and when we say lighter, meaning having fewer protons, smashing them together and making atoms. So combining, literally combining atoms to make heavier atoms. Now, the neutrons are very interesting because there's often a matching number of neutrons to protons or pretty close, but you can change the number of neutrons in an atom without changing what kind of atom it is. But if you change the proton, it changes what type it actually is. So one question that comes up is, okay, well, why, why are the protons next to each other? Because they both have the same charge, right? And we've all played with magnets. We know that when you stick two sides, two charges together that are the same, they repel they push apart. So there has to be something that is stronger than the push apart that they have. That push apart is due to electromagnetism. That's one of the fundamental forces in nature. So a force is a push or a pull. And there are these fundamental ones that we can use to explain all of the other forces that we see. Kind of like we have smaller and smaller particles that make up matter, right? We have smaller and smaller forces till we get down to just these four. So there's electromagnetism, there's the weak and the strong force, and then we often will include gravity as well. Although this is maybe a good episode topic we'll come back to. Why do some people argue that, that gravity might not be a force? So that is, that is a topic. For now, let's just stick with it, calling it a force. So gravity is crushing the star in on itself. It's creating really, really high temperatures, lots and lots of pressure at the core. And then you've got these atoms that have, well, they've got these protons in them. So something has to keep those protons together. And that's what the strong force's job is. And the strong force, like its name sounds, is really, really strong. It's actually the strongest of the forces. It's way stronger than electromagnetism, way, way, way stronger than gravity. And it holds the protons together. It's also what holds neutrons together as well. In fact, what it's holding together are little tiny particles called quarks. So quarks are actually what make up the protons and neutrons. So the thing is, the strong force only acts over a really, really short distance. And you've got to get the protons so close that the strong force can grab onto them. If they're too far away, then it's not gonna grab onto them, right? 
So that's what all this heat and pressure is about at the center of a star, is just to get them close enough that the strong force will actually force them to stay together. And that's really what fusion is. Now, when atoms fuse, they go from one atom and then they become another type of atom. They become a different element. The way that the protons and neutrons are arranged shifts around a little bit. And that shifting, there's actually energy in the bonds between the basically how these protons and neutrons are tied together, how they're held together by the strong force. And so every time it changes forms, it's going to shift a little bit, right? So with iron, iron has a very interesting arrangement. And actually, it's not just iron. There are certain isotopes of iron. Now, isotope is just a version of that atom. So an isotope has a different number of neutrons, but it's always going to have the same number of protons, right? So there's different isotopes, versions of those atoms of iron, and then also of cobalt and nickel and zinc. And this is the iron group. And so when the star gets to the point where it's made these elements, and then it starts to smash those elements together, those elements, they have a really stable arrangement of protons and neutrons. And so when they are rearranged, instead of letting out, releasing some of that energy that was held in the bonds, you've got to add extra energy in to make it so that the heavier atoms that they're trying to form actually will bond together. And that is a problem for the star. This is why iron is such a problem. Because the thing that has been holding the star up against gravity this whole time has been the extra energy that's being released. So this pressure pushing out when the bonds get rearranged between the protons and the neutrons, that is what keeps the star from collapsing under the weight, under its own weight due to gravity. As soon as iron begins, well, begins to fuse, then the star starts collapsing in on itself. Now, in this process, that's going to force a lot of atoms really, really close to each other. We're going to get a lot more fusion in that process. So heavy elements may be created in the moments as the star starts to collapse in on itself. And then when it explodes back out as a supernova, there's a tremendous amount of pressure. There's a tremendous amount of heat and energy, and we can have heavier elements created during that process as well. And later on, there are other really interesting ways that heavier elements can be created. One of my favorites is when neutron stars collide with each other. But for now, this is a good place to pause. So Adrian, thank you for this wonderful question. I hope that this dives into your question a little bit, clears it up a little bit. And as always, thank you so much, everyone. If you have any questions that you would like explored on the podcast, please feel free to send those questions in. Have your grown-ups check out the link in the show notes. Remember, 
to stay curious and have dark skies.